The following audio is from Cross Life Church in Tampa, Florida. We are a church that exists to help people find Christ, their place in the body, and their mission to the world. Our calling is to raise leaders and plant churches. So if you live in the Hudson area or near Wester Chapel, you can also check us out at one of our other locations. For more information, visit us at crosslife.net. All right. Well, let's look at uh, Jonah chapter 2. And, you know, I've thought about this, and I'm just, this morning more than anything, I'm just going to give some observations. This accounting of Jonah, you know, I thought about it a lot of different ways, how you, about walking through Jonah. And I thought, you know, for us, this accounting is something that we just can kind of just keep looking to. And what is God saying to us as individuals through it? What are some observations concerning that? And so, uh, last, the week before last, we ended up in finishing Jonah chapter 1 and through 16, you know, they, and he ends up, God prepares the storm and then he makes it worse when they're trying to row to shore to get Jonah off the boat. Jonah says, you look, you to get this storm to stop, you're just going to need to throw me overboard. So they end up throwing him overboard. And then the last verse of Jonah chapter 1, verse 17, interesting that it says, Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Now I don't know about you, and I've, you know, who knows, uh, you think about it, but how many other ways could have God rescued Jonah? Seriously? I mean, think about it. So typically sailing, they sailed close to land when they sailed, when there was land. So, I mean... Could have just like jumped off with the board, you know, been the first surfer recorded, you know, helped him swim to shore. I'm, I'm just, I'm thinking, really, <laughs> this is a statement. The Lord prepared a fish. What a way. <laughs> I don't know. I'm thinking about this again, and I'm thinking, can a man survive three days and three nights in the belly of a fish? Can that actually, just think about it today, somebody gets swallowed by whatever and doesn't chew them up on the way in, just gets swallowed three days, three nights in the belly of a fish. Can that happen? That's right. Not without a miracle. I mean, just the statement that this whole thing makes, and, and I don't, it, you know, all of us are going to have questions when we get the glory. Or maybe we're just going to know even as we're known, and we're just going to, you know, at the moment we die, we go, oh, oh, we're just going to know all that. And it's probably just going to be, yep, oh, okay, got it. But, but on this side, I'm thinking, you look through Scripture and you think all the unique things, the unique things that God did that you just go, all right, well, I guess God had his reasons, what the reasons are. We could only speculate, but no doubt about it, what took place is the miracles from the fish, the, for the surviving three days and three nights in the valley of the fish, and then the fish spitting him up on the, up on the beach, right, up on the shore. All that is God's intervention. So I get to thinking sometimes what happens 
when a person does not do what the Lord is wanting him to do. <laughs> he nudges us. Now, I don't know, is a fish a nudge? Maybe it's bigger than a nudge. It definitely got Jonah's attention. So I'm, I'm going through here and I'm thinking, so it's three days and three nights. To me, it seems like in Jonah's prayer, it's like he's in there for three days and three nights and somewhere toward the end of the three days and three nights, Jonah prays. And I'm thinking, seriously? Three days and three nights to say, uncle? Oh, give up, give up, give up. But it, it appears. And here's another thing about this. Three days and three nights, and we got just 10 verses? All we know about three days and three nights in the belly of the fish is these 10 verses. Now think about it. So Jonah, he's the one that penned it. And so this is, who knows how long after this all happened, he penned it. But it was after all this, he reflects back and he's writing the account. Now, and he only gives us 10 verses? Again, how many hours is three days? You know, that's a lot of hours. And we have 10 verses. So I'm thinking, all right. Kind of like I do so often when I look at Scripture and I just kind of scratch my head, I just got to drop back and say, all right. What do you want us to see? If that's all that's there, and we get this a lot with the accountings. You know, we, we have the life of Abraham, and all of Abraham's life we can kind of sum up in a short little span of time. Joseph's life, we can all bring to... There's only so much of it. So when that is that way, you've got to say, okay, well, what are you wanting to say to us? If, if Lord, you were the one that moved upon the men to, to write what you were speaking to them, for it to be chronicled, for it to be kept, your word to us, what is it in here that you want us to see? And I can tell you, frankly, I'm, I can see a few things. But all of us together, I think we could probably see a lot of different things because uh, the way it hits us, and maybe the time in our life when it hits us, maybe the circumstances of our life, the way it hits us, are all varied. How many of you ever read Scripture and you've read through that chapter or that area of Scripture so many times and then you read through it the, another time and it's like it just goes... It just hits you in your heart. So my observations from these 10 verses. So Jonah chapter, one, Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. So it says, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God, and he said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. So, Jonah in the belly of the fish. It seems that he knows that the Lord has heard him. It, it seems to me that Jonah knows that he's going to be delivered. Just the way that I read it. Because the answer, is, when he says he answered me and he heard me, this idea, we've talked about it before on heard, and heard is not just that if I 
uh, if Doug said something to me and I heard him, I heard his words, that's one thing. But if he says something to me, I heard his words and I responded back, I answered him, that's the word. This is the word here. When, because he said he answered me, he heard my cry. So before his rescue, now I'm thinking Jonah's pinning these words, and this is how he determined to write them for us. Before his rescue, Jonah seemed to have this assurance, peace, that his prayer was going to be answered even before the actual event occurred. It seems that on the front side, Jonah lets us know, hey, God's going to pull through. God's going to come through on the front side. And, and I think about this. Here's Jonah's deliverance. The fish puked him out. <laughs> what a deliverance. I mean, who's going to stand up and go, man, God's awesome. He puked me out on shore. I don't know. So Jonah is writing this after it's all over. And he starts with, he heard me, he answered me before he ever describes the distress he's in. So you already know that going overboard, sinking to the bottom of the ocean before a fish swoops you up, gobbles you up, there's probably a lot going on through his mind, but he doesn't start there. He starts with the outcome. He starts with the promise. He starts with the encouragement first. And I got to thinking about that. Man, that's just how God does I mean, we may be in the thick of something, and we're praying through, and how many of you have, it's kind of like this, you just, you, it's not necessarily that there are words necessarily, but here, there's just peace. You know God's got you. And this is where Jonah starts. Uh, to me, I'm just going, okay, so... You know, I maybe got a little more flair for the dramatic. I would have started with verse 3. Man, I went and I'm sinking and I'm going down to the depths and the water's enveloping my life and seaweed's wrapped around my head and I'm on to the bottom of the mountains. I'm at death. But God rescued me. Jonah, Jonah's almost like going, uh, you need to know that God has this. God's promise is ahead of you. And I'm thinking about this verses in Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2 where God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel and or Judah who are going to be facing a lot in front of them with their captivity. He said, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. It's kind of like the verse, you know, Jesus says, hey, just on the front side, be of good cheer. Uh, in this world, you will have tribulation. But I have overcome the world. And I think that I don't know, for me, uh, you know, sometimes that, that really needs to be one of the first things that we grab a hold of. I think that's the first thing always that God says to us, no matter what we're in. 
I think that the encouragement and the assurance that God brings to our life. And you know, the funny thing is, is I have been by this, on the, the sides of people that are breathing their last breaths. I can't tell you how many times. And not once have I been there where there wasn't a peace that that individual knew God's promise was going to be sure. And what was the ultimate promise that they were looking at? They will not be separated from God. See, I think sometimes we think, well, our promise is life here. Our promise is God's help and rescue fulfilling His purposes here. Our ultimate hope is everlasting life. And often when we're going through things, whatever they are, I find, for me, you know, I'm in the struggle of it, and somewhere along there, the first thing that comes is God's going, I got this. After I've already exhausted my worry and fret, after I've already run down the trail that the devil wanted me to run, it's that came over me. I'm, I got this, Tracy. You're okay. Now it's in Jonah chapter 2, verses 3 through 7, that Jonah just, he, here he begins to recount his predicament that he's in. He says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the sea, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and waves passed over me. Then I said, I've been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even my soul. The depths closed around me. The weeds wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings or the bottoms of the mountains. The earth with its, with its bars closed behind me forever. You have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. First observation that I'm looking at is he blames God, or he says, you've thrown me into the deep. You were the one that threw me in the sea. And I, I thought for a minute, I thought, well, back up the bus. The sailors did it, and you told them to. You know, so I'm kind of doing this, you know, and all of a sudden I'm realizing that, well, how did Jonah know to tell them to throw them into the sea? I, I guess what I'm kind of getting from this is that Jonah knew that God was in the middle of all this. Even before that, it says that he began to fear the Lord, and he feared the Lord. We'll look at that in a minute in chapter 1. But it was like Jonah was like coming around. And even when he, the, he realized that uh, not the sailors cast him in the sea, but Jonah said, you know, really it was the Lord that did that. He realized that even in his rebellion... God was with him directing the course of his life. So he's saying, God put me there. I'm there because this is where, this, this is all God's hand. This is all God's doing. And again, I think that's interesting how he starts with a promise first before he gets to this. You know, this was all God's doing. In my rebellion, God was, one of the things that we're going to look at uh, in, a, in a couple weeks is, all the things that God was doing behind the scenes. Interesting. So how many times have you been in the thick of stuff and, and you just thought that God wasn't hearing you and it was all bad and, and you just go through a difficult series of time and you get over here. When you get over here, you look back and you think, 
that was necessary for my life. I can look back on my life and think of some of the pain and difficulties that I went through were all a part of what God was doing in my life to prune and purge me, to bring me to a place to understand really who He is. And His faithfulness to me in this. His love toward me in this. His mercy toward me in this. That He would discipline me. That He would take and know what's going on in my life and purge my life of the things that would not be beneficial to me. Now, we never... (laughs) I haven't met anybody since. That was all kind of fun, and I loved it, and I'm ready to go again. But after the fact, you go, I hate that. I would never want to do it again, but that was necessary for me. So he says, he realizing that God's in the mix of all this, directing his life, in his life. Verse 2 says, I'm going to just put these uh, out there. He said, I'm driven away from your sight. The waters compassed me about. The depths closed in around about me. The weeds wrapped around my head. I went to the bottom of the mountains. The earth with her bars was about me forever. And it's like, Jonah's going, I'm, I'm toast. I'm done. I, I don't see any way out. This is a total failure here. I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to die. This is where I am. Apparently that must have been where the fish snagged him. Because he said that he was going down... And as he went down, the seaweed wrapped around his head. He hit the bottom of the ocean. It seems. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he got the seaweed wrapped around his head and the fish, and the fish took him to the bottom. I don't really know. But it seems like Jonah is going, I'm done. I'm, I'm at the end. And I think that of the stories through the scripture of others that felt the same way that Jonah felt. And I, and I relate it to us. I think all of us at some point in time have been at this place where we have not done what God wanted or we're in a, this place where we just feel far apart from God. We feel like, uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. And God comes along and God does something to rescue us. Even with Jonah, you know, it's like, you, that, that's why I get frustrated at 10 verses. Because it was like, Jonah knew this was all his fault. But, you know, I just don't really see, I don't, in these 10 verses, I don't see what, I think I should see, you know, maybe let me just jump ahead a little bit. I think I got these here somewhere. Psalms 32, 5, where it says, I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I will not hide. I will confess my transgressions from the Lord. Psalms 51 where he says, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin. I know my transgression, my sin is ever before you. Against you and you alone have I sinned. It's like, you don't really see, 
I don't see what I think I should see in these verses where Jonah's going, I'm messed up, I did it all wrong, and yet there are these uh, I don't know. There are these, to me, there are these faint words that seem that Jonah is in this process of realizing uh, the predicament that he's in that is his predicament, and he needs to, uh, a shift needs to occur in his life. Because then it says at the last, you know, Jonah thinking he's done for, and he says, and yet, you've brought my life up from corruption, O Lord my God. Now, let me qualify something here. Jonah didn't rebel against God, uh, get on the boat, and God do all that he did, and uh, he jumped into the water, or he got thrown into the water, and then God rescued him. That's not quite the events that took place. We're missing an event there. And the event is that Jonah called out to the Lord. So I think we've got to be careful to think that we can, we've we got to be careful to know that if we're going in the wrong direction, we're going in a way that God doesn't want us to go, we're living a life contrary. If you just think that somehow, some way, through osmosis or whatever, that God's just going to shift what's going on in your life and make it better? I don't think that really happens that way. I think every time we see through Scripture, when someone is not where they need to be, something has to take place, and a realization takes place in their life. Now, I wonder, with, with Jonah, it took, it took getting... Drop to the bottom of the ocean, the fish, fish sucking him up before he goes, yep, in my distress I called out to the Lord. I'm coming to some realizations here. And I think for all of us we need to realize that the, the reality of our needing to call to the Lord for help. So, uh, what are the, and there's so many analogies that are run through my head to think, I can't just do whatever I want and get whatever I want. Put that anywhere. You can own your own company and you can't just do what you want however you want. I own my own company. There's the IRS, they're keeping tabs. There's the EPA, they're keeping tabs. There's the Workmen Association of Builders, they're keeping tabs. I can't just do whatever I want whenever I want. That just isn't how life works. And so thinking about it with the Lord, we just can't do whatever we want, however we want, and think that God's just, oh, I know it's tough, so I'm just going to fix it for you. At some point, there's, you're going to come to this need to come to this realization of the goodness of God. Now, I can tell you right now, sometimes God has helped me with stuff that I didn't deserve, and through it, I went, took, you know, I'm, I'm a slow learner. So it takes a little bit of time, and I go, you know what? God, you did that for me. I didn't deserve it. Thank you for that. And there is this reconciliation that begins to occur. So thinking about your life, if you're like Jonah going to the bottom, uh, 
you just might be sucked up by a fish and puked out after you realize it. It might, not be, it might be a little messy. Might. Who knows? So, he says, in my distress, I call from the Lord. From the deep in the realm of the dead, I call for help. The King James says it this way, from the belly of hell. So this is really putting in here that Jonah's going, I'm toast. It's just like I'm a breath away. And so we see this shift in Jonah through what is taking place. And in Jonah chapter 2, verses 8 and through 9, we see this shift in his attitude. Because Jonah declares his commitment to God. He realizes those that are regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. So in other words, Jonah's realizing that his actions are just like, are wrong. They're offensive toward God. And he, he, he repents of the action in somehow, some way, there is this shift in Jonah realizing, yeah, my running from you has done no good. It's like being an idolater, so it's probably it's time for me to quit running. And then he goes on to say that I will also, I will sacrifice to you with a voice of thanksgiving, and I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So somewhere in there, Whatever that vow was, maybe, maybe in there Jonah's going, okay, okay, I'll go, I'll preach, I'll preach, I don't know. Maybe it reflected on, like all of us, at some point in our life as believers, we, we have said, Lord, whatever you want, I'll do that. And then when we come up to him, we realize what that might mean. And maybe it is that. Maybe Jonah comes to the realization that he's his child, he's a servant, he's his prophet, and he needs to do whatever God is asking of him. Maybe that's what he's talking about, fulfilling his vow. But Jonah just does come to realization that his actions are brought him where he was at and that God is good in rescuing him from that. And Jonah's deciding that I will do whatever it is that you want me to do. So, Jonah at the point where it seems that he's not going to resist God any longer, at the end of it, he, do, he makes this statement, this declaration, salvation is of the Lord. And I think it's kind of more of a statement, it's more than a, a statement of fact, I think it's a statement that he realizes that God has saved, God does save, God will save, and that's whoever he chooses. Because remember, he's supposed to go preach to the Ninevites, and we find out that he's still not happy that God did rescue them after he did. But anyway, to me, I'm looking through this, and I'm really trying to find, like I read those other verses about repentance, what repentance looks like. And I, I'm going, well, what are the indicators here of this shift? And like I said earlier, I think there's a few in John, or Jonah chapter 1, verse 9, where he says he feared the Lord, and he was honest with the sailors about his story, so he was coming clean there. Jonah allowed himself to be cast into the sea to avert the fate of what would happen to those others. Jonah called out to God during these three days and three nights in the belly of the fish, and then Jonah determines to renew his commitment or his commitment to this vow that he had vowed to the God. So 
I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking, how does repentance happen? Is it, is it uh, an event or a process? And I think it's both. And, and I see the process, it's the shift. It, how many times is it in our life where we're not where we need to be and we just need to, we just need to, we just need to drop, repent, and move on? Right? But that doesn't seem to happen. What happens is, is there's this nudge, then there's this nudge, and then there's this nudge. I've demonstrated it so many times, this idea of repentance is this 180. It's, you know, you're over here, not where you need to be. It's acknowledging that, but acknowledging is not enough. And you turn from it, but turning from it is not enough. You acknowledge it, you turn from it, you embrace something else. There's repentance. And that's kind of what I see here in Jonah. There's this, this, slow, this slow turn of these things that are taking place to get Jonah to a realization that, all right, I, I, need, to, I need to make this right. I need to do what I should be doing as God's prophet. So... While Jonah was quick to condemn the Ninevites, it seemed that Jonah realized that he was not much better in his rebellion. Um, in his rebellion, he was actually, um, what is it? He said that he was an idolater. Oh, he didn't say that. He, it was, I lost my place here, sorry. So Jonah failed to recognize that his disobedience was as offensive to God as the idolatry of the heathen. So he acknowledged the situation he's in and he asks God to rescue him. He said, but for me, the only thing, but, but, not for, but for me, the only thing that's really changed with Jonah is now he's, it seems that he's willing to do whatever God wants to make him, what, it, what he's wanting him to do. So he says, you know, I'm going to make good on my vows. So a thought is here, so Jonah's running away from God under God's hand of discipline, yet still recognizes that he can turn to God for help. That's interesting. Because what does the devil say to you? You know, mm -mm, here's what you need to do. Um, penance, right? <laughs> so you need to do uh, four our fathers and five Hail Marys and give... 200 bucks. I'll tell you what, it'll get better, but not until you da, 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 da. And that's just the enemy. That's a lie of the enemy. So there's not penance that we pay. What we need to do is we just need to turn back to the Lord, realizing that God will bring rescue to our life. We need to understand that uh, it's kind of like um, in First um, Samuel. We 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 don't like this word. You know, this idea that if we don't do what God wants us to do, that we're rebelling. I, I'm not rebelling. First Samuel uh, chapter 15, when Samuel's telling Saul. Uh, Saul's disobedient, and he says, listen, uh, let me ask you this. Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than fat of the rams. Because rebellion, 
is like the sin of witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Man, that really hit me. Because, you know, I'm kind of like, do you skirt the line sometimes? (laughs) Oh, no, no, of course you don't. Let me just have a moment of repentance here because you guys have it all right. We skirt. We kind of know it, but we keep skirting it. That does not go well. At some point, we need to understand, and at some point, God does do that. We read, we read verses like this, right, when we're in the situation, and we just kind of read over them. And at the same time, we're reading over them, and the Holy Spirit's going, oh, 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 ah, 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 back, back, back. Read that again. Rebellion, what is that? Not doing what you know you should be doing. Not doing what the Lord is wanting. You are what? Well, I just don't understand some of that. No, you're just not. You're, you're rebelling. And do you realize what your rebellion really is toward God? Wow, that's kind of... Those are some hard words there. But, but I get to thinking about that. Even in that, it's like Jonah's going... Hey, I just want everybody to know before anything happens, there on the front side, there's the promise and the help of God. The, the, the song that uh, Doug sang, I thought, Waymaker, that's a fish. Miracle worker in the belly three days. Promise keeper of deliverance. Light in the darkness. I just thought, and, and then, then the, the last song that he sang about calling on God's great name. Here's what we need to understand is who God is and how we can go to Him. It doesn't matter what you think about what that needs to look like. Well, I can't go to God because. I can't go to God because because of whatever it is. And I'm thinking, read that to me somewhere. Read the verse to me somewhere that you as his child, even if you're in rebellion, you can't run and call to the Lord and find deliverance. Find me the verse that says you can't do that. So this should really be an encouragement to us. It's been an encouragement to me for so many years, that idea. If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Not if you... Pay penance, three Hail Marys, four Our Fathers, give 200 bucks, and go to church, faithfully read your Bible for a month, then, then, that's baloney. That's just, that is such a lie. And I think the way that Jonah brings this out, he just lets us know on the front side, hey, God hears and answers. And even through all that I went through, thought I was done, he was faithful. See, salvation really is of the Lord. It is the help, the health, the deliverance, the preservation, and safety, because that all encompasses salvation. So let me just close with this. Maybe uh, some thoughts to take away. If we call on the Lord, he will answer us, in spite of our guilt, He will answer us in spite of His judgment. 
He will answer us and deliver us from impossible circumstances. He will answer us at just the right time. Often, He will answer us in stages, not all of which are comfortable, by the way. He answers us in order to win our hearts. And He will answer us in our guilty distress to help us become like He is, gracious, forgiving, and merciful. Thank you, Father, for your goodness, your faithfulness. I pray, God, that what you would do is just continue to remind us wherever we are, or if we're okay now and we get in certain positions, whether life just happens or we are foolish, that if we will call to you, you will answer us. You will help us. You'll bring us to a place where deliverance occurs and restoration occurs. That's your heart. So thank you for all that. Thank you for the reminder this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.